0: Question 102, Part 1 of Summa Theologica Prima Secunde Treatees on Law. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Prima secunde Treatees on Law, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 102. Of the Causes of the Ceremonial Precepts in Six Articles. Part 1, Articles 1 through 3. We must now consider the causes of the ceremonial precepts, under which head there are six points of inquiry. First, whether there was any cause for the ceremonial precepts. Second, whether the cause of the ceremonial precepts was literal or figurative. Third, the causes of the sacrifices. Fourth, the reasons for the sacrifices. Fifth, the causes of the sacred things. Sixth, the causes of the observances. First Article whether there was any cause for the ceremonial precepts. Objection 1. It would seem that there was no cause for the ceremonial precepts, because on Ephesians 2.15, making void the law of the commandments, the gloss says, making void the old law as to the carnal observances, by substituting decrees, that is, evangelical precepts which are based on reason. But if the observances of the old law were based on reason, it would have been useless to void them by the reasonable decrees of the new law. Therefore, there was no reason for the ceremonial observances of the old law. Objection to. Further, the old law succeeded the law of nature. But in the law of nature, there was a precept, for which there was no reason save that man's obedience might be tested as augustine says in on the literal meaning of genesis 8 6 and 13 concerning the prohibition about the tree of life therefore in the old law there should have been some precepts for the purpose of testing man's obedience having no reason in themselves objection three further Man's works are called moral according as they proceed from reason. If, therefore, there is any reason for the ceremonial precepts, they would not differ from the moral precepts. It seems, therefore, that there was no cause for the ceremonial precepts, for the reason of a precept is taken from some cause. On the contrary, it is written in Psalm 18, verse 9, the commandment of the Lord is lightsome, enlightening the eyes. But the ceremonial precepts are commandments of God. Therefore, they are lightsome. And yet, they would not be so if they had no reasonable cause. Therefore, the ceremonial precepts have a reasonable cause. I answer that, since, according to the philosopher in Metaphysics 1-2, it is the function of a wise man to do everything in order. Those things which proceed from the divine wisdom must needs be well ordered, as the apostle states in Romans thirteen one. Now, there are two conditions required for things to be well ordered. First, that they be ordained to their due end, which is the principle of the whole order in matters of action since those things that happen by chance outside the intention of the end or which are not done seriously but for fun are said to be inordinate secondly that which is done in view of the end should be proportionate to the end for this it follows that the reason for whatever conduces to the end is taken from the end thus the reason for the disposition of a saw is taken from cutting which is its end, as stated in Physics 2. nine. Now, it is evident that the ceremonial precepts, like all the other precepts of the law, were institutions of divine wisdom. Hence it is written in Deuteronomy 4. six. This is your wisdom and understanding in the sight of nations. Consequently, we must needs say that the ceremonial precepts were ordained to a certain end, wherefrom their reasonable causes can be gathered. Reply to Objection 1. It may be said that there was no reason for the observances of the old law, in the sense that there was no reason in the very nature of the thing done, for instance, that a garment should not be made of wool and linen but there could be a reason for them in relation to something else, namely, in so far as something was signified or excluded thereby. On the other hand, the decrees of the new law, which refer chiefly to faith and the love of God, are reasonable from the very nature of the act. Reply to Objection 2 The reason for the prohibition concerning the tree of knowledge of good and evil was not that this tree was naturally evil, and yet this prohibition was reasonable in its relation to something else, inasmuch as it signified something. And so also the ceremonial precepts of the old law were reasonable on account of their relation to something else. Reply to Objection 3. The moral precepts in their very nature have reasonable causes, as for instance thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. But the ceremonial precepts have a reasonable cause in their relation to something else, as stated above. Second article. Whether the ceremonial precepts have a literal cause or merely a figurative cause. Objection 1. It would seem that the ceremonial precepts have not a literal but merely a figurative cause. For among the ceremonial precepts, the chief was circumcision and the sacrifice of the paschal lamb. But neither of these had any but a figurative cause, because each was given as a sign. For it is written in Genesis 17.11, You shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, that it may be a sign of the covenant between me and you and of the celebration of the Passover it is written in exodus thirteen nine it shall be as a sign in thy hand and as a memorial before thy eyes therefore much more did the other ceremonial precepts have none but a figurative reason objection to further an effect is proportionate to its cause. But all the ceremonial precepts are figurative as stated above in question 101, article 2. Therefore, they have no other than a figurative cause. Objection 3. Further, if it be a matter of indifference, whether a certain thing, considered in itself, be done in a particular way or not, it seems that it has not a literal cause. Now there are certain points in the ceremonial precepts which appear to be a matter of indifference as to whether they be done in one way or in another, for instance, the number of animals to be offered and other such particular circumstances. Therefore, there is no literal cause for the precepts of the old law. On the contrary, just as the ceremonial precepts foreshadowed Christ, so did the stories of the Old Testament, for it is written in 1 Corinthians 10.11 that all these things happen to them in figure. Now in the stories of the Old Testament, besides the mystical or figurative, there is the literal sense. Therefore, the ceremonial precepts, had also literal besides their figurative causes. I answer that, as stated above in Article One, the reason for whatever conduces to an end must be taken from that end. Now the end of the ceremonial precepts was twofold, for they were ordained to the divine worship for that particular time and to the foreshadowing of Christ just as the words of the prophets regarded the time being in such a way as to be utterances figurative of the time to come, as Jerome says on Hosea 1.3. Accordingly, the reasons for the ceremonial precepts of the old law can be taken in two ways. First, in respect of the divine worship which was to be observed for that particular time. And these reasons are literal, whether they refer to the shunning of idolatry, or recall certain divine benefits, or remind men of the divine excellence, or point out the disposition of mind which was then required in those who worshipped God. Secondly, their reasons can be gathered from the point of view of their being ordained to foreshadow Christ, and thus their reasons are figurative and mystical whether they be taken from Christ himself and the Church, which pertains to the allegorical sense, or to the morals of the Christian people, which pertains to the moral sense, or to the state of future glory, inasmuch as we are brought thereto by Christ, which refers to the anagogical sense. Reply to Objection 1. Just as the use of metaphorical expressions in Scripture belongs to the literal sense, because the words are employed in order to convey that particular meaning, so also the meaning of those legal ceremonies which commemorated certain divine benefits, on account of which they were instituted, and of others similar which belonged to that time, do not go beyond the order of literal causes. Consequently, when we assert that the cause of the celebration of the Passover was its signification of the delivery from Egypt, or that circumcision was a sign of God's covenant with Abraham, we assign the literal cause. Reply to Objection 2. This argument would avail if the ceremonial precepts had been given merely as figures of things to come, and not for the purpose of worshiping God then and there. Reply to Objection 3. As we have stated when speaking of human laws, in question 96, articles 1 and 6, there is a reason for them in the abstract, but not in regard to particular conditions, which depend on the judgment of those who frame them. So also, many particular determinations in the ceremonies of the old law have no literal cause, but only a figurative cause, whereas in the abstract they have a literal cause. Third article, whether a suitable cause can be assigned for the ceremonies which pertained to sacrifices. Objection 1. It would seem that no suitable cause can be assigned for the ceremonies pertaining to sacrifices. For those things which were offered in sacrifice are those which are necessary for sustaining human life, such as certain animals and certain loaves but god needs no such sustenance according to psalm 49:13 shall i eat the flesh of bullocks or shall i drink the blood of goats therefore such sacrifices were unfittingly offered to god objection to further only 3 kinds of quadrupeds were offered and sacrificed to god notably oxen sheep and goats, of birds, generally the turtle-dove and the dove, but specially in the cleansing of a leper an offering was made of sparrows. Now many other animals are more noble than these, since therefore whatever is best should be offered to God, it seems that not only of these three should sacrifices have been offered to him. Objection 3. Further, just as man has received from God the dominion over birds and beasts, so also has he received dominion over fishes. Consequently, it was unfitting for fishes to be excluded from the divine sacrifices. Objection 4. Further, turtle doves and doves indifferently are commanded to be offered up. Since then the young of the dove are commanded to be offered, so also should the young of the turtle-dove. Objection 5. Further, God is the author of life, not only of men but also of animals, as is clear from Genesis 1, verse 20 and following. Now death is opposed to life therefore it was fitting that living animals rather than slain animals should be offered to god especially as the apostle admonishes us in romans twelve one to present our bodies a living sacrifice holy pleasing unto god objection six further if none but slain animals were offered in sacrifice to god it seems that it mattered not how they were slain therefore it was unfitting that the manner of immolation should be determined especially as regards birds objection seven further every defect in an animal is a step towards corruption and death if therefore slain animals were offered to god it was unreasonable to forbid the offering of an imperfect animal for example a lame or a blind or otherwise defective animal, objection eight further those who offer victims to God should partake thereof, according to the words of the apostle in first corinthians ten eighteen Are not they that eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? It was therefore unbecoming for the offerers to be denied certain parts of the victims, namely. The blood, the fat, the breastbone, and the right shoulder. Objection 9. Further, just as holocausts were offered up in honor of God, so also were the peace offerings and sin offerings. But no female animals was offered up to God as a holocaust, although holocausts were offered of both quadrupeds and birds. Therefore, it was inconsistent that female animals should be offered up in peace offerings and sin offerings, and that nevertheless birds should not be offered up in peace offerings. Objection 10. Further, all the peace offerings seem to be of one kind. Therefore, it was unfitting to make a distinction among them, so that it was forbidden to eat the flesh of certain peace offerings on the following day, while it was allowed to eat the flesh of other peace offerings, as laid down in Leviticus 7, verse 15 and following. Objection 11. Further, all sins agree in turning us from God. Therefore, in order to reconcile us to God, one kind of sacrifice should have been offered up for all sins objection twelve further all animals that were offered up in sacrifice were offered up in one way notably slain therefore it does not seem to be suitable that products of the soil should be offered up in various ways for sometimes an offering was made of ears of corn Sometimes of flour, sometimes of bread, this being baked, sometimes in an oven, sometimes in a pan, sometimes on a gridiron. Objection 13. Further. Whatever things are serviceable to us should be recognized as coming from God. It was therefore unbecoming that besides animals, nothing but bread, wine, oil, incense, and salt, should have been offered to god objection fourteen further bodily sacrifices denote the inward sacrifice of the heart whereby man offers his soul to god but in the inward sacrifice the sweetness which is denoted by honey surpasses the pungency which salt represents for it is written in ecclesiasticus 24 7 my spirit is sweet above honey therefore it was unbecoming that the use of honey and of leaven which makes bread savory should be forbidden in a sacrifice while the use was prescribed of salt which is pungent and of incense which has a bitter taste consequently it seems that things pertaining to the ceremonies of the sacrifices have no reasonable cause. On the contrary, it is written in Leviticus one thirteen: The priest shall offer it all, and burn it all upon the altar, for a holocaust, and most sweet savor to the Lord. Now according to Wisdom 7.28, God loveth none but him that dwelleth with wisdom. Whence it seems to follow that whatever is acceptable to God is wisely done. Therefore, these ceremonies of the sacrifices were wisely done, as having reasonable causes. I answer that, as stated above in article 2, the ceremonies of the old law had a twofold cause, notably a literal cause, according as they were intended for divine worship, and a figurative or mystical cause, according as they were intended to foreshadow Christ. And on either hand, the ceremonies pertaining to the sacrifices can be assigned to a fitting cause. For, according as the ceremonies of the sacrifices were intended for the divine worship, the causes of the sacrifices can be taken in two ways. First, in so far as the sacrifice represented the directing of the mind to God, to which the offerer of the sacrifice was stimulated. Now in order to direct his mind to God aright, man must recognize that whatever he has is from God, as from its first principle, and direct it to God as its last end this was denoted in the offerings and sacrifices by the fact that man offered some of his own belongings in honor of god as though in recognition of his having received them from god according to the saying of david in first chronicles 29 14. all things are thine and we have given thee what we received of thy hand wherefore in offering up sacrifices Man made protestation that God is the first principle of the creation of all things, and their last end to which all things must be directed. And since, for the human mind to be directed to God aright, it must recognize no first author of things other than God, nor place its end in any other. For this reason it was forbidden in the law to offer sacrifice to any other but God, according to Exodus 22.20. He that sacrificeth to gods shall be put to death, save only to the Lord. Wherefore, another reasonable cause may be assigned to the ceremonies of the sacrifices, from the fact that thereby men were withdrawn from offering sacrifices to idols. Hence, too, it is that the precepts about the sacrifices were not given to the Jewish people until after they had fallen into idolatry, by worshiping the molten calf, as though those sacrifices were instituted, that the people, being ready to offer sacrifices, might offer those sacrifices to God rather than to idols. Thus it is written in Jeremiah 7.22, I spake not to your fathers as I commanded them not, in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, concerning the matter of burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now of all the gifts which God vouchsafed to mankind after they had fallen away by sin, the chief is that he gave his Son. Wherefore it is written, in John 3.16, God so loved the world as to give his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him may not perish, but may have life everlasting. Consequently, the chief sacrifice is that whereby Christ himself delivered himself to God for an odor of sweetness, Ephesians 5.2. And for this reason, all the other sacrifices of the old law were offered up in order to foreshadow this one individual and paramount sacrifice, the imperfect for casting the perfect. Hence the apostle says, in Hebrews 10.11, that the priest of the old law often offered the same sacrifices which can never take away sins, but Christ offered one sacrifice for sins forever. And since the reason of the figure is to be taken from that which the figure represents, therefore the reasons of the figurative senses of the old law should be taken from the true sacrifice of Christ. Reply to Objection 1. God did not wish these sacrifices to be offered to him on account of the things themselves that were offered, as though he stood in need of them. Wherefore it is written in Isaiah one eleven, I desire not holocausts of rams, and fat of fatlings, and blood of calves and lambs, buck-goats. But as stated above, he wished them to be offered to him in order to prevent idolatry, in order to signify the right ordering of man's mind to God, and in order to represent the mystery of the redemption of man by Christ. Reply to Objection 2. In all the respects mentioned above, in the first reply, there was a suitable reason for these animals, rather than others, being offered in sacrifice to God, first in order to prevent idolatry, because idolaters offered all other animals to their gods, or made use of them in their sorceries, while the Egyptians, among whom the people had been dwelling, considered it abominable to slay these animals, wherefore they used not to offer them in sacrifice to their gods. Hence it is written in Exodus 8.26, We shall sacrifice the abominations of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. For they worshipped the sheep, they reverenced the ram, because demons appeared under the form thereof, while they employed oxen for agriculture, which was reckoned by them as something sacred. Secondly, this was suitable for the aforesaid right ordering of man's mind to God, and in two ways. First, because it is chiefly by means of these animals that human life is sustained, and moreover they are most clean and partake of a most clean food. Whereas other animals are either wild, and not deputed to ordinary use among men, or if they be tame they have unclean food as pigs and geese. And nothing but what is clean should be offered to God these birds especially were offered in sacrifice because there were plenty of them in the land of promise secondly because the sacrificing of these animals represented purity of heart because as the gloss says on Leviticus 1 we offer a calf when we overcome the pride of the flesh a lamb when we restrain our unreasonable motions a goat when we conquer wantonness, a turtle dove when we keep chaste, unleavened bread when we feast on the unleavened bread of sincerity. And it is evident that the dove denotes charity and simplicity of heart. Thirdly, it was fitting that these animals should be offered that they might foreshadow Christ, because, as the gloss observes, Christ is offered in the calf to denote the strength of the cross, in the lamb to signify his innocence, in the ram to foreshadow his headship, and in the goat to signify the likeness of sinful flesh. The turtle-dove and dove denoted the union of the two natures. Or else the turtle-dove signified chastity, while the dove was a figure of charity. The wheat flour foreshadowed the sprinkling of believers with the water of baptism. Reply to Objection 3. Fish, through living in water, are further removed from man than other animals, which, like man, live in the air. Again, fish die as soon as they are taken out of water, hence they could not be offered in the temple like other animals. Reply to Objection 4. Among turtle doves, the older ones are better than the young, while with doves, the case is the reverse. Wherefore, as Rabbi Moses observes in his Guide for the Perplexed, Book 3, turtle doves and young doves are commanded to be offered, because nothing should be offered to God but what is best. Reply to Objection 5. The animals which were offered in sacrifice were slain, because it is by being killed that they become useful to man, forasmuch as God gave them to man for food. Wherefore also they were burnt with fire, because it is by being cooked that they are made fit for human consumption. Moreover, the slaying of the animals signified the destruction of sins, and also that man deserved death on account of his sins. As though these animals were slain in man's stead, in order to betoken the expiation of sins. Again, the slaying of these animals signified the slaying of Christ. Reply to Objection 6. The law fixed the special manner of slaying the sacrificial animals in order to exclude other ways of killing, whereby idolaters sacrificed animals to idols. Or again, as rabbi moses says in his guide for the perplexed three the law chose that manner of slaying which was least painful to the slain animal this excluded cruelty on the part of the offerers and any mangling of the animal slain reply to objection seven it is because unclean animals are wont to be held in contempt among men that it was forbidden to offer them in sacrifice to God, and for this reason, too, they were forbidden, in Deuteronomy twenty-three eighteen, to offer the hire of a strumpet or the price of a dog in the house of God. For the same reason, they did not offer animals before the seventh day, because such were abortive, as it were, the flesh being not yet firm on account of its exceeding softness. Reply to objection 8. There were three kinds of sacrifices. There was one in which the victim was entirely consumed by fire. This was called a holocaust that is all burnt. For this kind of sacrifice was offered to God specially to show reverence to His majesty and love of His goodness, and typified the state of perfection as regards the fulfillment of the counsels wherefore the whole was burnt up, so that as the whole animal being dissolved into vapor soared aloft, so it might denote that the whole man, and whatever belongs to him, are subject to the authority of God, and should be offered to him. Another sacrifice was the sin-offering, which was offered to God on account of man's need for the forgiveness of sin. And this typifies the state of penitence in satisfying for sins. It was divided into two parts, for one part was burnt, while the other was granted to the use of the priests to signify that remission of sins is granted by God through the ministry of his priests. When, however, this sacrifice was offered for the sins of the whole people, or especially for the sin of the priest, the whole victim was burnt up for it was not fitting that the priests should have the use of that which was offered for their own sins to signify that nothing sinful should remain in them moreover this would not be satisfaction for sin for if the offering were granted to the use of those for whose sins it was offered it would seem to be the same as if it had not been offered The third kind of sacrifice was called the peace offering, which was offered to God either in thanksgiving or for the welfare and prosperity of the offerers, in acknowledgement of benefits already received or yet to be received. And this typifies the state of those who are proficient in the observance of the commandments. These sacrifices were divided into three parts. For one part was burnt in honor of God another part was allotted to the use of the priests, and the third part to the use of the offerers, in order to signify that man's salvation is from God, by the direction of God's ministers, and through the cooperation of those who are saved. But it was the universal rule that the blood and fat were not allotted to the use either of the priests or of the offerers the blood being poured out at the foot of the altar in honour of god while the fat was burnt upon the altar according to leviticus 9 verses 9 and 10 the reason for this was first in order to prevent idolatry because idolaters used to drink the blood and eat the fat of the victims according to deuteronomy 3238 of whose victims they eat the fat and drank the wine of their drink offerings secondly in order to form them in a right way of living for they were forbidden the use of the blood that they might abhor the shedding of human blood wherefore it is written in genesis nine verses four and five flesh with blood you shall not eat for i will require the blood of your lives and they were forbidden to eat the fat in order to withdraw them from lasciviousness hence it is written in ezekiel thirty four three you have killed that which was fat thirdly on account of the reverence due to god because blood is most necessary for life for which reason life is said to be in the blood according to leviticus seventeen verses eleven and fourteen while fat is a sign of abundant nourishment. Wherefore, in order to show that to God we owe both life and a sufficiency of all good things, the blood was poured out, and the fat burnt up in his honor. Fourthly, in order to foreshadow the shedding of Christ's blood and the abundance of his charity, whereby he offered himself to God for us. In the peace offerings, the breastbone and the right shoulder were allotted to the use of the priest in order to prevent a certain kind of divination which is known as spatula so called because it was customary in divining to use the shoulder blade spatula and the breastbone of the animals offered in sacrifice wherefore these things were taken away from the offerers this also denoted the priest's need of wisdom in the heart to instruct the people. This was signified by the breastbone, which covers the heart, and his need of fortitude in order to bear with human frailty, and this was signified by the right shoulder. Reply to Objection 9. Because the Holocaust was the most perfect kind of sacrifice, therefore none but a male was offered for holocaust because the female is an imperfect animal the offering of turtle doves and doves was on account of the poverty of the offerers who were unable to offer bigger animals and since peace victims were offered freely and no one was bound to offer them against his will hence these birds were offered not among the peace victims but among the holocausts and victims for sin which man was obliged to offer at times. Moreover, these birds, on account of their lofty flight, were befitting the perfection of the holocausts, and were suitable for sin offerings, because their song is doleful. Reply to Objection 10. The holocaust was the chief of all the sacrifices, because all was burnt in honor of God, and nothing of it was eaten. The second place in holiness belongs to the sacrifice for sins, which was eaten in the court only and on the very day of the sacrifice, as mentioned in Leviticus 7, verses 6 and 15. The third place must be given to the peace offerings of thanksgiving, which were eaten on the same day but anywhere in Jerusalem. Fourth in order were the ex voto peace offerings. The flesh of which could be eaten even on the morrow. The reason for this order is that man is bound to God, chiefly on account of his majesty. Secondly, on account of the sins he has committed. Thirdly, because of the benefits he has already received from him. Fourthly, by reason of the benefits he hopes to receive from him. Reply to Objection 11 sins are more grievous by reason of the state of the sinner as stated above in question seventy three article ten wherefore different victims are commanded to be offered for the sin of a priest or of a prince or of some other private individual but as rabbi moses says in his guide for the perplexed three we must take note that the more grievous the sin the lower the species of animals offered for it. Wherefore the goat, which is a very base animal, was offered for idolatry, while a calf was offered for a priest's ignorance, and a ram for the negligence of a prince. Reply to objection 12. In the matter of sacrifices, the law had in view the poverty of the offerers so that those who could not have a four-footed animal at their disposal might at least offer a bird and that he who could not have a bird might at least offer bread and that if a man had not even bread he might offer flour or ears of corn the figurative cause is that the bread signifies christ who is the living bread according to john six forty-one and 51 he was indeed an ear of corn, as it were, during the state of the law of nature, in the faith of the patriarchs. He was like flour in the doctrine of the law of the prophets. He was like perfect bread after he had taken human nature. Baked in the fire, that is, formed by the Holy Ghost in the oven of the virginal womb. Baked again in a pan by the toils which he suffered in the world. And consumed by fire on the cross as on a gridiron reply to objection 13 the products of the soil are useful to man either as food and of these bread was offered or as drink and of these wine was offered or as seasoning and of these oil and salt were offered or as healing and of these they offered incense, which both smells sweetly and binds easily together. Now the bread foreshadowed the flesh of Christ, and the wine his blood, whereby we were redeemed. Oil betokens the grace of Christ, salt his knowledge, incense his prayer. Reply to Objection 14. Honey was not offered in the sacrifices to God, both because it was wont to be offered in the sacrifices to idols, and in order to denote the absence of all carnal sweetness and pleasure from those who intend to sacrifice to God. Leaven was not offered to denote the exclusion of corruption, perhaps too it was wont to be offered in the sacrifices to idols. Salt, however, was offered because it wards off the corruption of putrefaction, for sacrifices offered to God should be incorrupt. Moreover, salt signifies the discretion of wisdom, or again, mortification of the flesh. Incense was offered to denote devotion of the heart, which is necessary in the offerer, and again to signify the odor of a good name. For incense is composed of matter, both rich and fragrant. And since the sacrifice of jealousy did not proceed from devotion, but rather from suspicion, therefore incense was not offered therein, according to Numbers 5.15. End of question 102, part 1, read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.